The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to another edition of the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here along with Justin Prince, our producer Richard Colbreth, as we are here to talk about all the exciting action that happened over this past weekend in the world of iRacing with the iRacing Daytona 24, as well as also cover some of the news in the eNASCAR and World of Outlaw competition. And Justin, it's been a week full of exciting activities. It's been a week full of exciting activities. It's been a week full of some controversial activities. It's been a mixture of everything that I think there's plenty to discuss about. It certainly is. Let's touch a little bit about, also first and foremost, the iRacing Rolex 24 at Daytona. A lot of big things happening there, first and foremost, Justin. And seeing the brand new Rolex 20, or seeing the brand new BMW LMDH car added on the service was a definite big hit to see these guys battle it out. It was definitely a hit. It was definitely entertaining, to say the very least, to see a lot of these cars try and zip their way around the racetrack, see which drivers in turn have already mastered it. And it shouldn't be a surprise to see which teams came up on top of the respective classes, with Apex Racing Team having two of the three victories in the LMP2s and the GTDs. But the GTP, especially when it came to some of the new car looks in that class, a lot to talk about there, let's put it that way, especially amongst its winners, Williams Esports. Yes, indeed. We're going to touch a little bit on that first, and it all even started before the drop of the green flag with the Rolex 24 at Daytona for iRacing with qualifying. Yeah, and to start things off in this discussion, keep in mind, on the iRacing platform in the sporting code, you cannot run on the apron to gain time. Guess who ran on the apron to gain time? Williams Esports in the midst of qualifying, as plenty of people noticed amongst not just the teams, but those after watching along with the event, had, they had elected to run on the apron in turns 1 and 2 for NASCAR, 1 and 2 should say, and NASCAR 3 and 4. That, of course, is not allowed in a race situation, let alone the qualifying situation. They picked up the pull by two tenths as a result, in part, because of them essentially cutting the course. Now, I think it's important to mention, Taylor, in this situation, that first, the driver, from my understanding, did receive a ban for that, since that is one of the first policies where you do that, you get a ban. Simple as that. Second thing, though, they kept it hidden on their stream side, because Williams Esports is known for producing some of their own streams for these events, sometimes with their own commentators. But the third thing is, and this is the big one I think people are kind of forgetting or missing here is I've seen this happen once before and nothing was done two years ago, two, three years ago, because I was doing commentating in an Indian sim racing league at the time. We had a date at Daytona. This was with the Formula 3 cars. Then we get to the race and everyone's running on the apron. And my thought is, OK, surely they're going to block flag them. My producer comes up and types in the chat, no, they're allowed to do that in her opinion. You know why? Because they don't get a black flag in the sim. The sim doesn't black flag them. They were running on the apron in the midst of the race. When I asked also, why are they doing that? The intriguing answer Taylor I got was because they've seen Max Verstappen do it in an official session once. So it's been a well-known issue for three years at this track. Well, if you think about this, Justin, this is kind of a much more similar situation to what we saw at Spa last year with all the talk about that chaos that happened with the interesting grass strategy gate. with the grass gates. Indeed. So this is something, if I may say, regarding this and with all due respect to all the major teams on in iRacing as well as these teams. You know, yes, I understand you have to do everything it takes to win these big events. I mean, this is the first VCO Grand Slam event of the year. 
But do we see drivers at the Rolex 24 this past weekend with the qualifying that they were doing? Do we see them running down on the apron? No, of exactly. course not. Exactly, exactly. That, that's the issue at hand, that these drivers here who are racing in the virtual Rolex 24, understand they need to try to find every which way they can that is within the parameters to win their respective races in the respective classes. But the thing is, you don't see the professional drivers doing that. So what gives you the right to think, oh, this would work? And even though there is no quote-unquote official rule, which, of course, there was regarding that, you still need to think, that's not a good look for you. It's not a good look for your team, especially for a team such as Williams Esports, who has so many different hands in the world of esports, not just in iRacing, but around the globe in other forms of motorsports and esports competition. So this is not something that puts sim racing in the right direction. In fact, it makes it almost not, it's not as bad, I would say, but almost as controversial as what happened a couple of weeks ago with Art Factor with their virtual Le Mans. Yeah, there's a lot we can unpack when it comes to the virtual Lamal side, and I don't know if this is exactly the scenario. We can go on and on about that part and some of the troubles, but focusing on this respective event, when you have tweets f circulating around with screenshots from respective managers saying that we, do, we did what we needed to do to win, here's the kind of thing. It's kind of a unwritten rule but also written rule per se of you don't use an exploit to get the pole position to be able to have the track position. Or rather, should I say, you don't necessarily do this because it's common sense. You don't necessarily see people in real life say, I'm going to take the apron and qualifying because as Tony Kanon put on Twitter afterwards, you're thrown out of the trace track if you do that as soon as you get off the track. You don't do it. You just... Don't. No, you're it, I can't believe it has to be said that you can't run on the apron at Daytona in an official event, especially when it's an event with this many eyeballs. You don't do it. You, you certainly don't. And unfortunately, it, it was with one of the biggest teams on the service who has got caught doing it. And now that team is going to have to pay the consequences because one, they're going to be losing a very well-respected or not respected probably anymore, but well-talented driver. And they won't be able to compete for at least a good while, even though they're banned. Yeah. That's the question. First of all, we, again, that's something we can't necessarily say is the exact length. I will say this. Williams did put out a statement yesterday after everything themselves saying that they want to investigate it because they also in turn said we do not condone social media abuse and would implore the sim race community to respect all teams drivers and one another online i agree with the sentiment of respect each other but at the flip of the coin you can also have the argument of arguing respecting your competitors is so critical and respecting the race craft of the event in of itself, you can argue too. I don't want people getting to the point of arguing over Twitter or arguing over Facebook, obviously. What I mean is the respect should not just be shared on social media. Respect your competitors on the track. Simple as that. It really is. And that's unfortunately one of the unfortunate things with, e with any form of gaming online is being respectful to your competitors on and off the track, whether it be in sim, in the game, or outside the game on social media, because doing stuff like that is just, in a sense, but pathetic. We're, we all are here to have fun. There's no need to do silly things that certain ones do. And again, I think this is something that could have some ripples through the next time we have a special event when it comes to the Bathurst events coming up in a few weeks' time on the iRacing platform. What's going to happen then? Do we it, see somebody find a way to cut the entire mountain? Like, where does it... Somebody has to put the foot down. Simple as that. Plain and simple, you're absolutely right. And that, the question is going to be, how will this play out in the long run here? 
And we'll have to wait and see come the next event at Bathurst. Of course, the next major VCO event regarding the current cars that we saw this past weekend won't be till March with the VCO 12 hours of Sebring. But on that note, Justin, let's go ahead and give you a quick rundown of the top three finishers from each class. Winning in the LMDH or the BMW LMDH class, it is William Esports Chill Blast, drivers of Arthur LaHawk, Alexander Spetz, and Matt Farrow rounding out the top lead. Then you have the two Yorano Esports drivers who've rounded out your podium finishers in LMDH. In the LMP2 class, it was Apex Racing Team 199 who came out on top with Elvis Rankin, Michelle Constantini, Owen Carroll, and Stanley Deslandes. Then you have Calcis Team and the Inet Motorsports gr Blue Group rounding out the podium in LMP2. And then again, once again, Apex Racing, another strong weekend with their number 99 GT3 Audi with Salva Talens, Johan Harth, Jamie Fluke, and Michael Yanni rounding out that and then of course team bmw bank and the mercedes amg team williams esports which the gt3s had a little bit of controversy as well with uh certain teams utilizing uh team orders with blocking faster traffic around if i remember right it also involved a williams did it not it certainly did and this is, keep in mind, something that's popped up in past major events. One of those that really comes to mind is the controversial finish to the 2019 12 hours of Sebring, where if you look back to that event, came to bumping and banging the final laps in, essentially, Porsche and ART at the time, bumping and banging, Porsche gets the clean pass, ART gets the turnaround coming up towards the Omen straight. So that's the tough thing. In terms of the racecraft, you hope that everybody respects it. But at the same time, you you should also, we've already seen in many cases, some teams like to play those games where you have to draw when their teammates around you. They tend to be helpful. Certainly is. And with that, we'll touch on 16,000 drivers declared to race over 4,100 teams and, of course, 2.2 5 million laps ran in 8.6 million miles. So an absolute astounding run, though, for the drivers here competing. And despite all this, it's important to mention that for many drivers, they put in weeks, if not months of preparation to be able to race, to be able to have fun, to be able to compete against one another on the sim racing racetrack. Some people absolutely, and you'll see it across social media even, will emphasize for them, this is a huge opportunity to be able to have fun with their friends. I've gone to racetracks where some of my coworkers spend weeks upon weeks outside of their time at the racetrack announcing the races, preparing for their sim racing event, and then coordinating with respect we want to know to be able to make sure that they work it around their racetrack schedules. So it's as simple as that. Everybody knows they want to race in a virtual endurance race. It's a chance to prove as a team and as friends, you can win at the checker flag. Yeah, unfortunately, I could not get to race this year's Rolex 24, but you know what? I will I had the chance to win it last year. I was happy about that. So maybe one year again, I'll get to return back to the Rolex 24 at Daytona to compete once again. But, you know, there's still other, so many other endurance races, Justin. We touched on another one happening in a couple of weeks' time, the Bathurst 12 Hours, utilizing the GT3 cars in later on at Mount Panorama Racing Circuit in Australia. Meanwhile, though, Justin, we got to talk about some other news in the world of esports. Kicking off, of course, the World Championship Series, none other than the World of Outlaws Car Quest Series, as Dylan Yeager takes home his first career win at Wheat Sport, as the points battle shifts just a little bit more in favor for none other than Tyler Shell and Alex Bergeron, as those two are now at the top of the leaderboard. First of all, when it comes to Dylan Yeager, very happy to see him pick up a victory. He's been close a few times in the past, finally able to break through as a result of some of the troubles and some of the craziness that happened, especially with some of his fellow championship competitors. But the bigger thing I think it's to mention, Bergeron finished the lap down. Hayden Cardwell finished 31 laps down amongst them. Tyler Shell ended up getting up to 7th, but still has to find a way to gain a massive cushion on Bergeron. 
So in other words, everything is still looking pretty for Bergeron to do it yet again to be able to pick up another $10,000 champion prize. It really is, and I mean, it's going to be a much exciting points battle given the fact that the championship race will be, once again, next Monday night as they will be competing at the dirt track at Charlotte where Bergeron, Shell, Timothy Smith, and James Eden are the only ones mathematically in contention for the title. And, of course, with that, the winner will receive a trip to February's Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia Speedway Park where they will collect the $10,000 championship prize and the official series trophy along serving as an honorary flagman and riding in the pace car during that exciting week. Dirt Car Nationals at Volusia Speedway Park, Justin, if you ever get the chance to go to any race at Volusia Speedway Park, you gotta go because it is by far one of the best spectacles in dirt racing. That's a little bit of an extra bit that they have indeed added, I believe, this year for the championship, because before you would just get the check as well as the championship in turn. Now you have that extra ability to go to the racetrack. It's kind of falling into the footsteps of what we see in the NASCAR circuit, where it's not just the championship at physical location amongst the championship four. They, for a few years, have gotten to go to the championship finale to be able to pick up the hardware and the check. So now, why not do it in World of Outlaws? It certainly is, and we'll be excited to see that next Monday night at 9 p.m. with, of course, the racing happening on both Dirt Vision and on iRacing streaming services. Time to talk a little eNASCAR news. The eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series driver lineup is refreshed, it's set, and new teams coming on board for 2023. Let's talk about them first and foremost with, of course, several of our drivers who are going to be joining us here later on the show Derek Bardot joining the number one over at Elliott Sadler Esports, while Corey Vincent joins brand new team, the Pittsburgh Knights. Jordy Lopez Jr. taking over the number three car at Team Dylan Esports. Justin, let's talk about these three drivers right here. When it comes to Jordy Lopez, going to be intriguing how his season compares out. Of course, he's been close a few times the past couple years, and I think it's going to be a decent fit when it comes to that respective part. But when it comes to the other two so far, some of the various different teams, I found intriguing, Taylor, that a lot of some of the new teams brought in focus more on the regional esports efforts. And that may be a, kind of a sign of where they may be thinking of going with how many organizations are within those respective cities, like, say, a Toronto, like a Pittsburgh, of course, like a Kansas City. It certainly is going to be interesting to see. Of course, Ryan Luz is still staying with Xset. Timmy Holmes joining RFK Racing with Malik Ray moving over from a basically a customer team or a basically a, his own team with under the iRacing banner to Jim Beaver Esports. Michael Conti for his final season in competition for Junior Motorsports. Stephen Wilson staying over at Stuart Haas and so, Parker White joining Tony Kanon Esports. I think. The Tony Kanaan Esports announcement one kind of was a bit under the radar per se, or uh, might be a bit underlooked because, again, Tony Kanaan, remember, has a very significant amount of investment. Now, essentially, is the team, the team's there. And when you look at their own Twitter, essentially, it kind of shows where Tony Kanaan wants to go. He wants his own esports organization, and this is the starting block. Tower Gary and Parker White. Give them some young drivers, fairly young drivers, who give significant presence, especially in the case of Parker White, you can argue, and a bit more with Tyra Gary, that immediately give you some streaming presence, immediately be able to get yourself in there as a brand and say, these are our two drivers, get to know them as we grow this organization. Certainly is, of course. Another couple of things is Garrett Maines and Joey Brown joining new team FGR Excel. I found that one intriguing once again because it was talked about a little bit with some of the moving parts with Garrett Mains on some of that structuring. But I feel like that's going to be an intriguing matchup as well in regards to team play. I'm more so curious, though, once they get to racetrack, how these team chemistries play out. But also, keep in mind, how involved are they going to be with these new respective teams, depending on some of these outfits, especially the new ones? How much do we see? How big do we see this play out? It really is going to be interesting to see how that will play out indeed. Garrett Lowe leaving the Wood Brothers team to go over to Jim Beaver Esports. 
Caden Honeycutt remaining over at RFK as he will be a busy driver. And one thing I got to ask, Justin, how do you think he's going to balance out his e-NASCAR and his NASCAR camping or, excuse me, NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series schedule? I'm very intrigued because, again, Taylor, when it comes to driving an e-NASCAR competition, it takes a very, very strong commitment. Only a few drivers I've known of can just come in the week of, pick up a setup, and run inside the top 10. Very few. There are some, There are a lot of drivers where if you don't test, don't put in some preparation during your off weeks, on top of now, keep in mind the case of Honeycutt, having to manage going to the shop, making sure you're keeping up with your racing obligations in the real world, while also losing that prep time on the weekends, per se, and possibly your Monday, which is your SOF day in some cases, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be extremely difficult. And with everyone in part of his group, they have to know. The testers have to know how exactly he likes his cars if he, they want him to hit the track running. They can't have him essentially come in on Tuesday afternoon and say, okay, what set am I running? Because guess what? That's how you start 25th, 35th and make it to 20, the 20s at the best. It really is. So they're going to have to be careful with that and manage it carefully. As we see Wyatt Tinsley joining the Kansas City Pioneers, a new team that's joining. We touched up briefly on that as well with the Pittsburgh Knights. Michael Guest joining 2311. Michael Guest is an intriguing fit with 2311, I will say. Because, well, how do I put this? Michael Guest and 2311 kind of have not been something you imagine it with. Again, because of the connection 2311's had with Zelensky, with some of the other drivers amongst the Toyota camp and some of the Coenda cars in general. But, again, if you have an opportunity open with a team that's looking to thrive, that's looking to expand, do it. Do it. Do it. Because 2311 is growing, and keep in mind, with the facility opportunities, who knows? The opportunities might be there to be a big part of that facility if you stay in for the next year. Certainly can indeed. Another team that's to talk about, Nick Ottinger, staying with William Byron Esports, Cody Bias with Elliott Sandler Esports, and Derek Justice joining the Kansas City Pioneers, Tucker Minter in Team Dillon Esports. Tucker Minter, Team Dillon amongst that respective organization we mentioned with the three car amongst that. That I feel like is going to be a pretty nice fit because I know they've talked a lot in terms of the various discords. So I think that's going to be a fair, fairly comfortable partnership. So it's it's going to be intriguing again how this all plays out. It really is. And then, of course, Alan Bowes joining the brand new team Front Row Motorsports with Brandon McKissick over at Latart Esports with Michael Cozy staying over at FRM. Is it weird thinking of Michael Cozy in car 38 instead of car 99? I don't yes. think I've really seen him in anything without a nine in it. And I th again, my first thought is, welcome to front row because they're looking to expand and do big things. They went to trucks last year. They're looking to grow with that program in their youth pipeline. They're looking to develop young talent. Again, I think front row is a place you want to be, to be honest. It certainly is. And then, of course, a couple of other drivers you have is Dylan all over at Latart Esports, Dylan Duvall at Stuart Haas, Colin Keister joining E-Racers, Femi Olatbusen over at Charlotte Phoenix, Keegan Leahy still remains at 2311 with Jimmy Mullis over at Rise Esports, Graham Bolin, Donovan Strauss also over at Charlotte Phoenix and William Esports, Daniel Falkingham, who will join us here momentarily from Joe Gibbs Racing, then Chente Salas over at Williams Esports, Tyler Gary with Tony Kanan, Colin Bowden remains over at E-Racers with Zach Novak at Rise Esports. Duchette going over to Pittsburgh Knights. Kevin King joining Junior Motorsports. Casey Kerwin, your defending series champion, remains with Xset. And Matt Busa joining William Byron Esports. Want to move back to the JGR side because keep in mind in real life, Taylor, there's no 18 car for the Cup Series in 2023. It's changes to 54. The intriguing thing to me, Taylor, on that situation is the 54 stays over. It was the 51, remember, with Kyle Busch and his respective branding. I find it intriguing that they've elected to keep the 18 car, which, mind you, they have indicated in the future we may see the return of in the Cup Series, kept keeping an e-NASCAR competition. So in 
some sense, the 18 car is still going to be in the series. And I think that's great to hear and great to have that happen in force. And we'll see that continuing with, of course, the season preseason opener on January 31st with an exhibition race at the L.A. Coliseum. Catch the action on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, which is, of course, January 31st at 9 p.m. on eNASCAR forward slash live with countdown to green coverage immediately proceeding before the race. Well, Justin, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have three special guests. Jordy Lopez Jr., Daniel Falkingham, and Tyler Carey, next on The Download. Welcome back to the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Mr. Prince Taylor, Boris, along with Richard Colbreth with you. As now, it's time to change gears a little bit and keep the discussion towards Enascar. However, towards some of its drivers, specifically talking about and with some of those respective drivers, the upcoming season for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Three drivers joining us for this week's episode of the iRacers Download are three respective drivers looking to make an impact this respective campaign, all while trying to prove that they are amongst some of the favorites amongst that newcomer listing in their cases. Joining us now on the iRacers Download from Joe Gibbs Racing, is the number 54 car driver, Daniel Falkingham. Also joining us here for the iRacers Download is Jordy Lopez, who will be dropping number three for Team Doing Esports. And also joining us for this respective edition is Tony Kanan Esports driver, Tyler Gary. Thank you much for the time, everybody. First things first, I'll start with you, Daniel. How does it feel to be a part of the Coke Series now after so many years of battling in the league scene and then your rise into the pro scene this year? Uh, yeah, it feels great. I've been I've been a fan of the series since probably around 2013. I've been watching several races since then, and just to be able to get through this level over the last six years, I've been on Irising for six years now, and to finally say I'm part of the Coke Series field is actually a pretty neat deal. So uh, now definitely definitely looking forward to the challenge. It's not going to be easy by all means, but uh, definitely to get here to this level and say I officially made it is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to getting the season started here on Tuesday night. Now, when it comes to you, Tyler, also a part of the newcomer wave for this campaign, essentially, in terms of those drivers looking to showcase what they can do. But interestingly, it's with the new organization. How's it feel to be essentially one of the first two drivers for Tony Kanaan Esports? It's, uh, it's very, very exciting to be able to be partnered with someone like Tony. Is you know once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I couldn't be more excited to get this, this season started. Jordy, you take the established number three machine with Team Dylan Esports, and you've come so close the past few years. How, in your words, would you describe your feelings now to finally be able to break through for the Coke Series after being close the past two, three years? Um, it's like a huge weight is off my shoulders. <laughs> um, I've always felt like I had the skill to be in the series. Just uh, unfortunate luck, and um, and yeah, and... I'm just so happy to be here now and, and to prove uh, my skill in the top series. Now, I want to swing back to you, Dan, because in, when it comes to you, you were more so for many years, about a good half a decade, known as basically the most dominant driver in Sim 500 competition in ever respective leagues. What made you decide in turn, this is the time to jump to the pro series side or run for the Coke series the past couple of years? Yeah, like definitely I've been doing a lot of leagues ever since I've started iRacing around 2017. But really around 2019 when the Coke series was starting to get like a more like mainstream feel, like a lot of, there was a lot of attention getting to it. I felt like that's really what started, like kind of starting to push my buttons and trying to make it to the top level. But I I really do enjoy doing the league racing stuff, but definitely I felt like, I felt like I've proved a lot doing a lot of league racing over the years. So I definitely felt like it was time. Like I tried to have a go at it in 2020, but a lot of stuff didn't go my way, and I really didn't even do the whole season. But felt like this year with the opportunity that I presented with me in 2022 with North Force Racing, I definitely felt like that this is the year I could do it. And I always felt like for so many years I felt like I could do it, but there's time other times I really didn't. I just really didn't know because I never have gone against like this style of competition before. So I definitely feel like as as this year's progressed, I've learned a lot so much and. To be able, I was pretty shocked if I would be able to get all the way. My first goal was to try to get to the contender series, 
and then we'll see what happens from there. And at the end of the day, we uh, we made it all the way to the top. So uh, definitely, definitely been learning a lot over these last two years. But definitely, this is the year I definitely want to make that jump. And I'm glad to say uh, we are we are finally here. Indeed, you're finally here, and so is somebody that's worked with in the technical line side, Tom Regeri. Gerber, how would you describe this year and your rise, especially with some of the waves you made, especially in special events action the past two years? Yeah, it's been a it's been an up and down ride with you know through the qualifying series and with a couple of bad luck incidents and some really good runs here and there. It's been a wave of, of emotions, and uh, I'm just. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, really. So, of course, making it to the Coke Series this year, how would you describe the approach of when Tony Kanaan approached you amongst that respective pool and said, I want you to be a part of the team? What was the reaction? It was, it was in, like, excitement, obviously. I mean, to just have someone want you and to value is, you know, it's always exciting. So amongst that, too, you do have a bit of a streaming presence amongst yourself. How big is that a part of that going to be with Tony Kanaan Esports, too? Um, I'm, it's not major, but I'm definitely trying to get into it more and more. Obviously, having friends like Cozy or Moonhead definitely helps grow it a little bit and brings those couple of viewers along, which is just a starting point, which I hope hopefully I can grow from there. Turn back over to you, Jordy. In terms of this year, the Contender Series look very strong at some of the racetracks, especially with Altus Esports backing on the Technical Alliance side. In your opinion, compared to past years, how did it come together? Or rather, uh, what were the major differences? Of course, there had been some controversy a couple of years ago. I say. Yeah, um, so from in 2021, when I didn't make Contender, um we got a couple of guys from nexus to join us and it's been a great ad like honestly um they all work hard and it's a lot better considering that seth was the only one doing all the sets um so the fact that we had more people in the technical side of it join us it kind of helped us get better and faster as a group What are the most difficult things from Contender in your perspective this year? Um, honestly, I would say, I think I would say qualifying. It, it's it's always like in, important that your whole race is dependent on where you qualify. And considering that we didn't have a lot of cautions this season, qualifying was very in, important to to determine where you were going to finish because it's it's so close in the field that it's very hard to pass. And I feel like qualifying was most the, definitely the the like hardest thing of the season. Seemed to be a major crucial point. And when it comes to your respective grouping, Daniel and Tyler, you did well as a technical alliance in qualifying. How would you add to that, Daniel? Yeah, just uh, definitely like getting to work with a great group of people, not just Gary, but all of our technical teammates like Parker White, Wyatt Tinsley, Derek Justice. Uh, Daniel Buttafuco, all those guys over there that helped us get all the way to what we did this season. Hey, there was all of us that won, all of us but one that managed to. Uh, oh, and uh, Donovan Strauss as well. Forgot to mention him, but for all of us to uh, like all of us to get through to the contender series was a pretty big deal for us. It, it sucked that we couldn't get all of us through to co. It was like all of us but one. So, but yeah, definitely just working with a great group of guys and definitely just having like we all have the same mindset that we all want to win and we all want to do well. So definitely having that, having this great group of people that we got going into going into the upcoming season to cope, definitely it's getting me motivated for the season, and it's giving me the motivation to put in the work, put in the time, and maybe and maybe hopefully start running well right from right from the jump because uh, with the schedule we got this year, it's a big up and down calendar, so it's definitely going to be important to perform everywhere. But I definitely know we got the group to do it. That's going to be a big discussion point that we'll have in a few moments or so. But when I started getting to know each and every one of you, with Tyler, I want to start because there are two places I know you mainly for the racing side. FDF competition 
And that one time that was the qualifying trouble spots with for that first race of the race of champions that was done at the time and ended up blowing the motor before the race even crossed the start and finish line. What can fans know about you that isn't those two things? Uh, well, I'm sure fans might know this, but uh, rock car, I'm big into rock car. And uh, in terms of like real life stuff, I'm very much into racing right now. I'm driving a Model Light for Superior Race Cars down here in South Florida, and we plan to make a couple trips across the, the country to try to compete and show how fast the race cars really are. That's going to be in a touching point I want to touch on here. So how did you get it started in real-world racing? So it started off when I was five years old. My dad got me a go-kart, and then I went from flat karts to... Champ Kurtz, I was eight and had some pretty good uh, success. I was I was a state champion my first year out. Uh, moved up a division, got second in points the next two years. But at the same time, I was also doing soccer, and I was starting to get pretty serious with that stuff. And I decided to focus more on that and took a break from racing. Uh, got back in the go-karts around 2017, 2018. And then the last couple of years, we've been racing my lights down here in South Florida. See a post from November, for example, feature winner over at Hendry County Motorsports Park in terms of the dirt side. So how difficult has it been to try and keep progressing forward, but also developing those skills and, de and keeping the race cars maintained for the type of racing? It's been more difficult than most people have, like, experience, I feel like, because me and my brother have both been sharing the race cars up until this this upcoming season where we each have our own. So up until this point, it's been pretty difficult to progress because usually you race once, maybe twice a month if we were lucky. And it's just, it's hard to progress when you're not racing that often. So where did the virtual side start to come in with iRacing? Um, you mean in terms of like how it helped me in real life? Or... Uh, not only that, but also when you started making the progression to sim racing. I got you. So I started Christmas of 2015 like as a Christmas present. Then the first couple of years, I didn't take it that serious. And then I started rising through like the IRAs and getting more, more and more in the top split. And once I got a, about to a 5K I rating, I was like, okay, maybe like I can work on this and, and try to improve myself more and get better at this. And I took a little bit of a shot last year with uh, just some buddies that ran Mooncar with us and whatnot. And, you know, like we didn't do that great, but. With what we had, I felt like we did okay. And uh, this year, or after that season, right before the qual or the contender series last year, I uh, hit up Derek Justice, asked if uh, North Force was recruiting anyone, and uh, got out to there. And you know, this is my first season going full time at it, and uh, I'd say it was pretty successful so far. I think that's an understatement to be able to do it in the first shot. But uh, a little bit. Yeah. Now with you, Daniel, perspective on that background, we talked a little bit in terms of the Sim League side of things. You're from the state of Maine. How did you get yourself started in the Sim racing path of now more than 2,500 starts? Yeah, like I said, it was pretty much like this, the same route as Gary. Like I started, I, I officially like made my subscription or got my subscription made as like a Christmas present to around Christmas of 2016. But I really didn't start raising until a few weeks later because I was still waiting for um, a, my one of my old computers to to come in so I could start racing because I didn't really have anything to race on at the time. But so yeah, like throughout 2017, I do remember that was just me doing a lot of official stuff, just trying to get used to the sim because this is like the first ever experience I had in sim racing. And then around 2018 is when I made tried to make the next step up to league racing. And that's where I participated in RSR, Real Sim Racing, in 2018. And I actually got to meet a few good buddies in uh, Brandon Bowie and David Comstock, who ran in that series too. And also were making the jump to Sim 500 as well. Or they also ran Sim 500 during that time. And that's where I got my start at Sim 500. And that's where I went to the next year. And then that's pretty much been my home the last four years, just for league racing and stuff. While during that time... Um, as I was running up through the ranks, just doing official races and stuff, I felt like I could run with the best when I, on my good days. And then it was really around the middle of 2019 when I started to consider that next step with, uh, when I met up with, uh, Nick Morris, when me and him raced together from the podium esports elite series, 
uh, uh, we started to rage each other a lot. We were starting to run really good around each other, and I was able to go join his team over at HPM High Performance Motorsport. And, uh, and I was planning to run with them for the 2020 Road to Pro campaign. And then, unfortunately, uh, I I was we I was let go two races after that, which is very unfortunate. But that was me still in the learning process because I really never knew like how tough the pro ladder was until we got to that point. So over the next few years, I still went to my home league racing and stuff, and I really didn't I didn't do the 2021 Road to Pro campaign because I really never could link up with anybody. I probably could have, but I really was just like just too afraid to ask, and I just really wasn't just up to par at that time, and. And then in 2022, rolled around. That's uh, was when I hooked up. Thanks to Derek Justice, got me on to North Force Racing, put in a word for me. And then uh, one year later, it was, it was about a year ago at this time, is when he asked me to join the team, or if he asked what my plans were. And that's how I ended up on NFR. And then a year later, we're uh, going on to bigger and better things. So it's been quite, it's been quite a ride in action so far, and it's only going to get even crazier this next year. This next year is expected to be very, very wild and ride the waves, just ride the waves. Over to Jordy. Jordy, how would you describe your journey through iRacing, your start to iRacing specifically, since you've been a member of this platform since 2013? Uh, yeah, so um, I never really thought that I would be in Coke for Oval. Um I just, um, I never saw the interest in Oval before I started iRacing. Um, I did a street stock race, and from there, I got hooked, and I started doing more street stocks. And then um, I bought my first content, which was uh, the truck and um, and Indy Oval, and it was, like, life-changing. And then I became a fan of NASCAR because um, I started to understand it more, and then I was trying to make it to the world championship series at the time because i just saw how fun it it looked um and yeah man, i i made the pro series back in 2015 and i um i couldn't do the pro series so then i i took some years off and then i came back around 2020 and then i uh started back to taking iRacing more serious and the rest was history <laughs> So when you took that step back, what were some of the things you were doing? I was playing like other games. Um, like I was doing R Factor too. Um, I was doing a set of Corsa, um, F1, uh, Gran Turismo. And I was just competing in that for like a, for a few years. And then I eventually came back because I just felt like, like you can't beat iRacing. Um, as far as like, like their sims go, like you can't really beat them. And I came back. <laughs> See where that went on too. And quickly, one thing I want to touch upon on your side: seeing the some of the media day footage that floated around. I believe partly because of Malik Ray. Uh, <laughs> some people think uh, you oh, look man. like a football player <laughs> at the media day. If I understood right. Um. Yeah. So. I mean, so Malik and I, we like always try to like toast each other as far as like we always try to make make jokes at the other's expense. And it was like that throughout the whole weekend. Um, since we, we don't often see each other, we kind of got like a lot in for like a month straight. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's all banter. Like, to be honest, like like me, me and him are like very cool. We like talk a lot on the phone um like after the races and stuff and we kind of uh just like have fun in that way and it's not anything serious <laughs> <laughs> well it definitely looked like you guys had fun at media day and getting to <laughs> take videos and photos let's put it that way yeah. but let's talk about the upcoming season because some of you talked about the schedule daniel what are some of your thoughts on the schedule especially with tracks like Monza and the Milwaukee Mile, in part because the truck date there going to eNASCAR competition. Yeah, like those are the two big outliers, obviously, with the Milwaukee and Monza. But really, like the one track that I'm glad to see on the schedule is New Hampshire. Just one, because it's my it's my home track. I've been going to NASCAR races there for about for be, be a decade now. So I'm just as like just kind of just for myself. I'm just so happy to see New Hampshire on the schedule, and then 
And it's pretty crazy to see. We got three super speedways in the first six races. We got Daytona, and then we got the revamped Atlanta, and we got Dega as well. So that's going to be quite a first few six races of the schedule, which is probably going to mix up the field a lot before we probably get into the uh, meat and potatoes of the season with all the mountain halves and stuff. But, yeah, it's definitely – I'm looking forward to the schedule. Uh, definitely looking forward to having a lot of fun. Like I said, New Hampshire. New Hampshire is the one track on the schedule that I got my eye on that I really want to do well at. I mean, of course, I want to do well at all the tracks – try to be competitive each and every week, but New Hampshire has definitely got a special place in my heart. Well, Tyler, I know with Moon Car, they do a lot of super speedway stuff. Your thoughts on the schedule? I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it with uh, the combination of you know, lots of Moon Car and Rod Car. I feel like I have a good amount of experience of what needs to be done at the plate tracks. So uh, I feel like that's a strong suit. Also, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy that, that like iRacing and NASCAR and everyone who works on the schedule is... Uh, trying to build its its own identity. I think if we just stay with NASCAR and just follow NASCAR, people will always just see it as online NASCAR, where I think it needs to have its own identity, and I think this is a a step in the right direction. So I'm I'm happy with the schedule. What are some of the stars next to respective tracks on your schedule, in your opinion, or the scheduling, your opinion, Jordy? Um, honestly, I'm just trying to get through the first six races <laughs> and then like after Dega is when sort of you can kind of like make your season because uh, the first few are just sort of like play tracks and stuff and like anything can can happen in those and Monza is of is a uh, like unknown for everyone. So that can be either good for us or bad for us, but I'm just trying to get through the first six and then from there I'm. I can't wait to go to Gateway um, and Nashville and even Pocono. Uh, and yeah, like I, I wish that we ran like more tracks like like Martinsville and like Bristol and stuff, but it's a good schedule overall. You should probably know that some drivers hit 30 plus incidents when they made the visit to Martinsville back about a decade ago. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it holds the record still for cautions. <laughs> okay, so I take that back. <laughs> yeah, some iRacing officials now are part of those who set that record, by the way. Um, in all seriousness, no. Your expectations for your first campaign, starting with you, Daniel. Uh, yeah, just, uh, well, on my first expectation is if I don't finish last at Daytona in the first race, I think we'll have a pretty good season. But overall, um, if we, I really want to stay in the top 20 in points because I definitely, that's my first goal is trying not to get relegated at the end of the season. And then, uh, who knows, we could maybe be a, get a surprise win sometime on one of the super speedways possibly. But, uh, yeah, first, the, the main goal for me is to make sure I'm not relegated at the end of the season. Just top 20 in points, and then we'll see how the season goes from there. What about you, Tyler? I think there was a small wink on the super speedways. <laughs> yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be pretty awesome to win one of the super speedways. But uh, as an expectation, it's just I don't have like a certain points position or anything. Um, obviously, it'd be nice to you know make the playoffs or even just stay top twenty in points. But just a self improvement, pick up pace, build on for each year after. If if like I feel like if I've already made it here once. There's no reason I can't make it back if I fall back down. So I feel like just improving throughout the year is my main goal. And Jordy, your expectations for your first campaign? Um, I'm really hoping to just make the top 20. If um, if the playoffs come with that, then great. But um, I'm not trying to aim too high because I've seen how people race in the series. And I'm just expecting it to be just like that, where sometimes you get wrecked and and you can't do anything about it. So I'm just um, I'm just hoping for a, a clean season, honestly, and and hope that like I can show my skill to to, to the world, you know. <laughs> so two more questions to close things out. The first of which is the simple one of what hobbies do you do outside of racing? I will say this, the consensus for the past year was weather. Daniel, what's your hobby outside of sim racing? Uh, yeah, well, it's not weather. I'll tell you that right now. I'm a guy that <laughs> does not like to discuss weather and stuff. But, uh, yeah, um, uh, well, from where I live, I, I get a lot of snow. So, usually, like, when we get a lot of snowstorm and stuff, uh, don't mind going around just hanging out in snow and all that. Uh, it's through the summers, I, I like, I've gotten into hiking a lot more. 
throughout the summers and stuff because like we're in Maine we have there's a lot of beautiful places to hike so um so I do love enjoy doing that and then I approach I live I practically would live with the lobsters so like there's so many years I've been able to go lobster fishing uh and just go regular fishing and stuff too so definitely a lot of hobbies that I wouldn't have probably been doing three years ago but something I'm trying to do more of this year so uh yeah definitely a lot of hobbies I've come to like over the last few years what about you Tyler um other than racing i don't do much else to be honest i'm i'm going to school right now then i i go to work out once i'm done with classes and then you know i come home and hang out for a little bit try to chill, like relax work on the race car some and then uh you know do a sim race here or there and then <laughs> go to bed and do it all again the next day that's that's pretty much my routine right now sounds like the exact same answer we got last year from vicente salas jordy your hobbies I, I would consider this my hobby, to be honest. Um, when I'm not doing this, I'm either playing on the PS4, um, playing some some story games and like whatnot to, to kind of like to kind of get away from like iRacing for a little bit. <laughs> and it's fun. So racing is life for two out of the three. Got it. <laughs> yeah. So, where can fans follow along with you on social media? First of all, Daniel. Uh, yeah, uh, Twitter easily. It's probably my like the most time you'll see me on at Dan underscore Falkingham. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram too with the same handle. And um, also, I'll, I'm gonna have a Facebook page too. I actually used to have a Facebook page for when I used to do some kart racing around around my area for several years ago. But I'm gonna turn that into my sim racing page where I'll be posting all my links to my races to all my friends and family. Because like they're all looking forward to me racing and stuff, so I'll have a Facebook page, which is probably just gonna be my name, Daniel Falkingham. So you just search that up, you'll find like where you'll see my updates on races and stuff too, for all like my friends and family to see. So yeah, there you go. What about you, Tyler? Uh, I'm most active on Twitter. It's at uh, tgary26. I'm also gonna try to start posting more on Instagram more often with uh, real racing and uh, as well as the, with the Coke stuff. It's uh that's Tyler underscore G underscore eight, and then uh on Facebook that's where we will be posting most about our real life stuff at uh Gary Motorsports on Facebook. And for you, Jordy. Yeah, I'm I'm mainly active on Twitter, so if you guys can follow me on Jordy Lopez Jr., um I'm more active on there. I post a lot of like iRacing content and whatnot, and I'm soon going to get into streaming. Uh, but I'm trying to get all that like done properly so I can stream with no issues. Well, once again, thank you very much for the time. Thank you very much for the conversations. And one more thing on your mark, Jordy. Hopefully you don't have someone crush your front bumper in on the official races like I've seen seven times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a rough uh, few weeks. <laughs> on that note, thank you very much once again for the time. That's Daniel Falkingham, Tyra Gary, and Jordy Lopez Jr. amongst the E-NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series field for 2023, Taylor. It really was a great opportunity. Thank you, gentlemen. And as we come to a close, Justin, two things we got to talk about right quick. Skip Barber Formula I Racing Series will return in 2023. Logan Clampett scores the eNASCAR College I Racing Series win at Iowa, and the BMW M Sim Cup on iRacing will bolster its community event in 2023 as well. We'll touch more on that throughout the rest of the year. But for that, thank you for our special guests, Jordy Lopez Jr., Tyler Gary, and Daniel Falkingham. For our producer, Richard Colbreth and Justin Prince, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download from the SpeedSport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass. Pass.